The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the writer. I am Damon Martin. He is UFC legend, Matt Brown and Matt. We wrapped up last week's show and then like the world broke like three days later, like everything, everything ever changed in like a three day span in the UFC. There's been more news this week than in the history of the UFC, right? (laughs) Or MMA in general, really, or combat sports in general. You know what? You know, it's like some of it we can predict. Like, we always know injuries are going to happen, fights are going to change. Like, that's pretty common, right? Like, that's just a normal occurrence. Generally speaking, though, you don't lose both the main and co main event to a pay per view. That rarely happens. And then who could have predicted the whole USADA saga playing out the way it did this past week? Like, it was the craziest, nuttiest week that, like, you never see coming. And the USADA thing has even really fully developed either right like it was just the beginning of it it got so ugly like i never imagined usada would put out a statement to tell us that they're cutting ties with the ufc and then the ufc does a full and i was on it full like 90 minute press conference with the with the with the uh with hunter campbell and jeff Nowitzki, and like I know Jeff. I don't know Hunter Campbell well at all. I've never met the guy. Don't know him. Like I know who he is, and I know the power he has, but I don't know him. Like ever since Joe Silva left, like I don't know Hunter Campbell that well. But I know Jeff Nowitzki. I've been around Jeff Nowitzki a lot. I've interviewed Jeff Nowitzki a bunch of times. Pretty even tempered dude. Like you know, pretty low key guy. You know, he's a he's a he's an executive. You know, kind of. They were dropping f bombs. They were like, "This is bullshit." Like they were going off. I was like, "This is this is like not what I'm used to hearing from like the non Dana White part of the UFC." And they're just like, "Fuck these guys." I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like those, what did you? Those say? guys are so like politically correct. Like 
they're so good at speaking properly and like bureaucratically, right? And basically, yeah. yeah, they dropped bombs, right? Like they didn't fuck around at all. They were, which is really surprising. Like, I wonder like how much tension there was before, you know, to build up to this. It's what it felt like to me. Like there was tension building up to this and this was just a final straw. Like something happened, but it was all completely under the radar. Like this came out of nowhere for all of us. Yeah, well, what's crazy is, is when you saw to put out the statement, they basically made it sound like this was all Connor's fault. Like it's all Connor McGregor's fault. And the UFC, when they did their press comments, to their credit, you know, they said this really had nothing to do with Connor. Like we actually have been like, you know, we've already been in discussions about whether or not we were going to renew with them long before this whole thing happened. And a lot of it came down to other issues. You know what I mean? Like obviously they talked about. The timeliness of testing, guys getting pulled out of bed at four o'clock in the morning to do testing, guys getting pulled to do urine and blood tests when they're cutting weight, guys getting pulled like Alexander Volkanovsky getting pulled out of bed on the day the day before a fight, uh, you know things like that. Which again, I understand randomness of testing. You have to make it random. I get that, but come on, there's also ways to do it where you're not you know, trying to shove a needle in a dude's vein when he's already dehydrated and, you know, three hours away from cutting from weighing in. Um, and then they were talking about technology, like how much of a problem the whereabouts thing is, which Matt, you're a fighter. You can speak to this. I mean, I've, I've obviously heard from other fighters, but like where you check in your whereabouts thing, like how much of a pain in the ass it is. And they've never really updated the technology to where like, there are a million apps on your phone now where you can literally just press a button and it'll, it'll tell where you're at. You know what I mean? And like, I guess USADA never had anything like that, and I guess they've been talking about developing something like that for like two years. So the UFC explained it in a way where they're like, these are issues that we've had with them, and they're trying to scapegoat Connor. Now, you know, did the Connor thing bring it all to the spotlight? Yeah, but it was crazy. I've never, I've never had a meeting like that where like these guys are just like, you know, fuck these guys. More or less was the conversation that was being had. Yeah, which is interesting because, you know, it's like most things. I think there's two sides to the story, the truth somewhere in the middle. So, um, I, you know, I'm not really you know, like the you saw it has never really been a problem for me, you know, because so like when they have all these criticisms of it, um, I haven't had those type of experiences. So I can only speak for myself. And um, that's where. You know, like I didn't know that they even did things like that, like wake guys up at four in the morning on the night before a fight. I, um, I, I think, you know, maybe it was in the news or something. Um, but like I said, I've never had any experiences like that. So I kind of, you know, just to go, you know, default to myself, like myself, my experience has been perfectly fine. And um, I've never really had any problems other than like literally the only time I had a little bit of a problem was. I had to go to the gym. The guy comes to my house, you know, and, and I'm like, well, I got to go to the gym. So the guy's supposed to follow me because once they get to you, they're supposed to keep you in their sights, right? So I'm driving my car. He's following behind me. And I drive like 80, 90 on the freeway. And I ended up getting some sort of a, a, a I don't even know what you call it. It wasn't a whereabouts failure, but some sort of docket you know, ticket or fine or penalty or something at 105, but some sort of penalty for driving so fast. Like he thought I was trying to evade him or something. <laughs> oh and my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. It was kind of silly. You know what I mean? Like that was literally like my only issue I ever had with him. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you were trying to run away from him. That's hilarious. Uh, like, bro, like I just drive fast, you know? 
Yeah. I guess one time now that I think about it, like I did have an annoyance, like it was kind of a nuisance because I got home at like 11 o'clock at night and they were there at my house waiting for me. And like, I didn't have to pee, you know, um, I'm, I know like I'm getting ready for bed, you know, like I, I know that I'm coming home to go to bed. So I'm not going to drink water for a couple hours and they're there. So now I don't have to pee and I have to basically start chugging water so that I pee as quick as I can to get them out of there. Um, they didn't get out till about 1230 in the morning. And now I got to wake up every 30 minutes to go pee. So, <laughs> you know, like, but that's, that's kind of like minor stuff to me, you know, um, but I, I'm sure we'll get into it through the, out the conversation here about, you know, I mean, I, I have a completely different opinion just on drug testing in general. So, but, uh, you know, in terms of them being a nuisance, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've always found it interesting that people you, you really bring that up. Um, cause again, I, I can only go by my own experience and my own experiences. It wasn't really a hassle for me. Yeah. There's a, it's a weird thing because for like 24 hours right after the news came out that they were cutting ties, everyone's like, Oh my God, is everyone going to be on steroids all of a sudden? And yeah. then the UFC had to put out a press conference pretty quickly to say, no, that's not the case. Um, they're using drug free sport international, which is the same company that collects tests and collects samples for the NFL, the NHL, NBA, major league baseball. They collect the test and then the testing is being done at the Smyrtle Lab in Utah, run by Dr. Daniel Eichner, which the the casual fan doesn't know that name. But if you've covered or been around a lot of these drug testing hearings, Dr. Daniel Eichner's all over the place. He was testifying for the John Jones thing. He's like the foremost expert on testing and stuff like that. Like He was at the forefront of the whole issue with that one drug that kept coming up on john jones's test the picograms everyone remembers that word um so he's like one of the foremost. so he his lab is going to handle the testing and then they hired this guy named george Pirro, who is a former fbi agent who is now going to be the independent administrator basically he'll make the call if somebody comes up with a positive test he'll make the call to say okay we're going to suspend you we're going to do this we're going to do that uh so on and so forth they're they're basically running it now essentially like the other major sports leagues do because while some people are complaining and saying well this is all being held in house and you know there's already a conflict of interest because people discover that George Pirro trains an American top team and they're like oh, wow. uh yeah they're like uh just throwing this out there like the guy who is like the new like independent administrator trains an American top team in Florida that could be a problem and I agree that is a problem but here's the thing Matt like the NFL has a drug testing program, and guys do get suspended in the NFL. Like it does happen. Guys do get like multiple game suspensions for violation of the of the you know code of conduct, whatever they call it in the NFL. And it happens in Major League Baseball and stuff as well. But again, it's all handled in house. So like this isn't. I'm not defending the UFC's position. I'm just saying that like they're not doing anything really differently than any other major sports league does. It's just drug testing became such a hot button subject in our sport that like everyone has kind of like a laser focus on it. But in reality, what the UFC is doing now is kind of what everyone else does. Like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that like, they're doing what the NFL does. Now, when you say they do what the NFL does, does the NFL have a independent, like, do they have a George Pirro? I mean, they have their commissioner. I mean, that's what they do. They have their commissioner. You know, they, they basically have the, the league office, the NFL league office handles it. How, above board and how you know uh you know 
you know, like, are they hiding anything? Are they, you know, are they not hiding anything? Like, we don't really know. They're not like in the NFL. They're they're definitely more secretive in terms of at least like the testing. Like, at least we get like. Right now, even with USADA, they put up a weekly list of drug testing. That's how we've kept an eye on the whole Conor McGregor situation because we noticed he wasn't getting tested. Um, And the UFC has said they're going to make that more available. Like they're going to update it more regularly. It's not going to be like once a week. They're going to try to update it like on a, you know, couple day, every couple day basis kind of thing. Like when the tests come in, they just input them in the system and it's readily available. That's actually more open than what we have for other sports. Like I can't go to the NFL's website and look out who's been tested, how many times they've been tested. Like that's not available to the public. So, you know, I mean, in a way, and, and the difference is, the UFC is just an organization like the NFL is is the oversight of the NFL, but they have 32 owners who have power, you know, over their team. So it's, it's just a different dynamic. But basically what you're saying, Matt, like, do they have an independent person? Kind of. That's what the NFL is like that NFL, you know, hierarchy. But is it legit? Is it all above board? Can we play conspiracy theory about like why? you know, a, a star quarterback never tests positive versus a random right. lineman or something. I mean, we can sit here and point fingers all day and say, you know, I've never seen, you know, the I've never seen Patrick Mahomes have a positive drug. And I'm not saying he's cheating. I'm just saying, like, you can point fingers and say, well, he's the highest paid star quarterback MVP of the league. He never has problems. But as you always say, Matt, if you got money and you got means, you're not going to test positive anyway. So, you know, we could play this game all day. Now, the, I guess the one difference with me being very ignorant and uneducated on the subject, the NFL, MLB, NBA, these teams would, uh, these players would have a collective bargaining um, to be able to, well, collectively bargain uh, for their drug testing policies. Am I right or wrong? You are correct. And it also comes down with the punishments handed down because they have a chance to appeal you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and again, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes the appeal fails and they still get suspended or whatever, but yes, they have a union that will stand up for them and say, Hey, here's, you know, we, we don't agree with this or we do agree with this or here's what happened. So yes, that is a big difference with all those other leagues is they do have a union representing or a players association representing the people in that league. Cause that was probably of of what I watched of that press conference, that was probably the one thing that turned me off the most was when, okay, so the UFC decides that George Pirro is in charge. We, you know, no nobody else has any say. The UFC decides this. And then when they ask about his credibility, his integrity and everything, their answer is basically, trust me, bro. <laughs> and I like, I just didn't like that, you know, um, you know, I I don't have to worry about anything because I don't take shit. You know what I mean? Like, like when it comes down to USADA over the past, how how many years it's been now, five, six, seven years. Like I've never even claimed what they do is when they come test you, they say, do you want to declare that, you know, any substances you've been taking or any uh, supplements you've been taking, like, you know, proteins or, you know, things so that if you, if you did end up testing positive, they would look into that, um, supplement and, you know, see if it's, you know, um, tainted or whatever. Right. And like, I've never even declared a supplement before because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, dude, I don't like, I know I'm not taking shit. Like I am not the least bit worried about this. I don't take sketchy supplements or ridiculous things. Um, 
So like it, it hasn't been a problem for me at all. But um, the reason that I'm talking about that is, you know, these other guys, like it seems like there's been a lot of questionable situations happen, right? We John Jones for one, right? Like, you know, was he on something or not? And the UFC is basically saying, trust me, bro. <laughs> you know, and that, you know, again, I don't feel like I have anything to worry about, but, you know, for a lot of fighters, I think they might be very worried now. Well, let's, I, I mean, well, let's put it back on the Conor McGregor situation because we did almost a whole podcast talking about that. And you had actually said, and I agree with you when you explained it that way, you're like, look, he found a loophole in the system and he exploited it. We can't really get mad at him for that. And I agree. You're absolutely right. But when they were talking about Conor during that press conference, they said Conor did nothing wrong. He got back in the testing pool. He's going to do six months of testing. We never, we were never trying to, we were never trying to usurp that. We were never saying he's going to get an exemption. Like we never, no one ever said he wasn't going to do six months of testing. Now I appreciate that part of it. I do like that's, they're being above board. They're saying like, I asked him, I was one of the people on the call asking the question, so you're telling me he's not going to be eligible till April 8th, 2024. And they're like, yeah, I think that's the date. So they've confirmed like he's not coming back early. They're not clearing him so he can headline the Super Bowl card in February. Great. That I agree with. But they kept painting Connor as a saint. And I get it. Like he's he's going to get back in the pool. But the question, and it's not, I mean, it, it, with everything going on there, that's not really the time to ask that particular question. But the reality is, is like, why did he drop out of the pool in the first place? If he's not doing anything and he's going to do the testing, why did he drop out in the first place? Because if that's the rule and any fighter on the roster could just be like, you know what? I don't want to get drug tested for the next six months because I just had ACL replacement. I don't need to get drugged. Guess what? No one else does that. No one else has done that. Like, no, you know, uh, when Francis Agano blew his ACL, did he get to drop out of the USADA pool for a year? No. You know, like. There's the well, I didn't drop out. Yeah, there's the issue right there. Like, okay, Connor's not trying to like sub he's not trying to supplement the system. He's not trying to get away with something now that he's back in the pool. You're telling him he has to do six months. Great. I I agree. That's good. But what about the last two years he's been out of the pool? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no I and again, I'm with you. He found a loophole. It's not his fault. He and found I read a loophole. Something, I read a uh just I think it was just a tweet where they said and I didn't listen to this in the press conference, but someone had said that the UFC is going to look into allowing people to do certain things um, after injuries. Yeah, they said something about that because they basically were like, there's no leeway whatsoever. And we understand like part of what they want to do with this new program. When the program gets instituted as of January 1st, it's all going to be the same. Like nothing's going to change, but they are going to make tweaks and changes over time to make it better. One of the things they talked about, of course, was like, you know, Paulo Costa, I believe was one of the guys he was like weight cutting and dehydrated. And they're like, we got to draw blood. And when you're dehydrated, like that's just, that's the worst time. You don't want someone drawing blood when you're two hours away from stepping on a scale and you've lost 25 pounds of water weight. Um, and then the Volkanovsky situation where he got woken out of bed at like four in the morning on the day of the fight or something, I think it was, or the day before the fight, like insane. Anyways, they were talking about that. And then they said, if there's a way for guys, like we don't want to punish guys who are just recovering and trying to get better from injury. And so they want to work with a system where it's not cheating. Like, it's not like we're going to say you get, you get take steroids for six months and, you know, roid out and then come back. I think they're talking about like if there's like experimental like stem cells. They were talking about stem cells were illegal for the longest time, 
uh, in America. Like you couldn't use stem cells to do repairs or do like medical things. And so they're basically saying that like, if there's a way to safely help guys recover, we don't want the drug testing to punish them for that. Like if it's being mandated by a doctor, a doctor saying here, this is going to be the fastest, safest, best way for you to recover from an elbow injury. We don't want that to conflict with drug testing. And so, but they have said, but they said, we're going to look into that. It's not, we're making the changes automatically. We just want to make it better. Like they're trying to make this more fighter friendly. So they're, so they're saying, yeah, which, uh, I don't know that, uh, again, I, like you said, you know, it's not going to be for a while. They're, they'll stick with basically what they've been doing so far. Uh, but that is sketchy as fuck right there. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that just reminds me of the TRT days, you know what I mean? Like, so we can already take stem cells. Like I've had stem cells, like a lot of fighters have had stem cells. That's something that's um, already legal and, and uh, allowed for us to do. And, you know, that's a, uh, but yeah, that sounds like, like there's going to be that, that there'll be so, so many gray areas there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like every situation is going to have a gray area there. Well, I think you've said this before that like, and and I don't want to misquote you on this matter. I want to make sure I say this correctly. But you said like you're not you're not opposed to cheating, but if you're going to do it, let it be for everybody. Like you know what I mean. Like if you're going to tell us not to cheat, we shouldn't cheat. But if you're going to say it's all you know, it's back to the wild wild west, then it should be that way for everybody. Like it just should be a rule for everybody. I guess it's kind of I think that's kind of what you said in the past. Am I am I correct in that? A hundred percent. And you know that's always kind of been my view on it. Is you know. I don't think they're ever going to stop the, uh, you know, it's a cat and mouse game and the, the cat's never going to catch the mouse. Right. And it, it just depends if you have the money and the means, um, to take things like you're able to take them and that's all there is to it. Like the, there's a way to do it. There's guys that will always do it. It's always going to be a part of, uh, every, um, high level athletic endeavor in this world. Uh, so I do, I'm very adamant that it should just simply be legal. Um, now, I also understand why it's not. And, well, I think I understand why it's not. And I don't think it's because of, uh, you know, I do think there's some public perception. But I'm guessing, I've always guessed that it's probably more of a liability issue, right? Like if someone, like if, if Vitor Belfort killed somebody in there, you know, it'd be like, <laughs> you know, there's could be lawsuits, right? Like you guys knew he was on steroids. He killed my, my, um, you know, my husband or whatever, and I'm going to sue you for it. Now that's always been my guess. I don't know the actual facts here, but yeah, the point is it's like, you're just never going to beat it. So there, there is guys that are going to beat the system and they're always going to have a leg up on the guys that can't beat the system. So you want to talk about level playing field. Like there's no such thing. The only level playing field is allowing everybody to do it. And um, I think that that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. It's funny. Like the Connor thing, like I was thinking about this with the whole Connor situation, you know, my honest opinion is like, now that I've thought about it, I think Connor dropped out of the pool because he didn't want the annoyance of the drug testers coming at his door and his Lamborghini yacht and his family vacations and like all the things when he's recovering. Cause Matt, you and I both know if anyone's going to have the money and the means to cheat and get away with it, it's Conor McGregor. He's richer than anybody on the UFC roster. If he wants to cheat 
and get away with it. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying if he wants to, if there's one guy on the entire roster who can pay to get the best doctors and the best supplements and the best whatever, it's Conor McGregor. So if there's one guy who doesn't really have to worry about it, as you said, if you can afford it, you're going to get away with it. Conor can get away with it. So my honest opinion, like, was he probably doing some nefarious shit? Yeah, probably, because once he was out of the pool, who cares? But I think he was probably just like, I don't want these guys knocking on my door at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm out doing whatever the hell it is I'm doing. I don't want to be responsible for that. And so, you know, I'm dropping out of the pool. That's my guess because, as you've always said, if you get the means and the money, you're going to get away with it. Like, there, there's a reason why, as you said, it's always a cat and mouse game with doping. And the reason why it was so hard forever for the whole Olympic thing to catch up was because, like, Russian, the Russian government sponsored – the doping, like they had millions upon millions. Like the Olympic athletes have no money. Like we all know that. Like they're not, they don't have the money. But when you get a, when you get the exactly. government, when you get the government involved, and they're like, we're going to sponsor a, you know, a, a multi million dollar campaign to make sure our athletes have a competitive advantage. You're, and that's why it took them like thirty years to catch up to them because they couldn't catch them because it was so sophisticated. So yeah, I mean. uh you know, like you said, if you got the money and the means, you're going to get away with it no matter what. Guys like Connor are really not at risk the way that, you know, a guy like yourself, not, again, you don't cheat, but I'm saying, like, you don't have millions hanging around to pay a doctor to do whatever the no. hell a doctor is going to do. Right. Well, it's a, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me or anything, but, you know, it's a, a, a certainly a billion dollar industry beating doping tests, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of money out there to be made for a doctor to, help guys beat drug tests, you know, whether it's Olympics or like tour de France or, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, th- it's not like that, that world is not out there, you know, and, and don't try to fool you, you know, sh- nobody should try to fool themselves into thinking that it's not like, and, and then, you know, just to add to that, it's like, you know, who decides what's cheating and what's not, you know, um, for, for instance, like I took BPC for a long time um, and it wasn't banned. And then all of a sudden they banned it, you know? So like, am I, uh, should I be indicted here? You yeah. know, and you know, maybe I shouldn't say it publicly. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> well, but, let- you know, it's like, you know, like caffeine is a performance enhancing drug, you know, and this is a, a tried, this argument has been around forever, you know, like, like everything, like everything we, we do all day, everything we eat is potentially performance enhancing, right? Like our, between our diet, our, you know, every supplement we take, like everything we're doing is trying to, to enhance our performance, you know? So like you, you, when you start getting into like drawing the line, it's like, you know, if you have that money, like, how do you say no? Right. If Connor McGregor has a guy come to you and say, Hey, you know, all you do is take this thing. You're not going to fail. You know, I've had a hundred other guys do it. You're not going to fail a test and it's going to enhance your performance. Like, how does he say no? You know, like, like, is that, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't even like question Connor's morals, you know, if he says yes to that. Well, and we also got to remember, I want to make this one key point here on this. We talk about testing. We all have drug testing, drug testing, 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 testing. And if you got money, you can beat the system. Yes, you can. Let's remember some of the biggest scandals in doping in sports history had nothing to do with t- Lance Armstrong never tested positive. Right. 
Like, Jeff Nowitzki came to fame because he was digging through the dude's garbage and finding information about the doctors he worked with, and they found information that way. He never got popped. Barry Bonds, who had a, a head the size of a, of, a, of, a, of a balloon, never tested positive. How did they bust him? Because they found out the doctor who was feeding him all the illegal stuff and the cream and the, you know all the different things they were doing. He never tested positive. So we always talk about drug testing, drug testing, drug testing. The guys like Barry Bonds, who had all the money in the world, Mark McGuire, who had all the money in the world, Lance Armstrong, who had all the money in the world, they never got busted because someone put a needle in their arm, took a blood sample, and said, you were cheating. They got busted because of doctors and people ratting them out and, and you know paperwork was found and shipments and blah, 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 blah. Remember that because they beat the drug test. They beat the drug test. The drug test never told you they cheated. It was the investigation and everything around them that told you they were cheating. They never got a needle in their arm. Two weeks later, they got a call saying, hey, man, you tested positive for whatever. So remember that when you talk about drug testing, everyone's like banging the drum on like it's all about the drug testing. If you got money and you got means, you could beat the drug test. If Conor McGregor gets busted. That kind of goes into what I was saying a little bit also. Like, okay, if you put that amount of investigation into, I, I bet 99% of athletes, like you could find something. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it, again, it's just the money and the means. Like, if if you spend that much um, to do it, you, like, you're going to find something. Like, like, all, every, like, you're talking about you know, athletes putting the, you know, this is their entire livelihood. And and that's where I do get, you know, a little bit into like the moral thing. It's like, you know, what is performance enhancing and what's not like, what's illegal, what's not. And, you know, there's these guys out there deciding, you know, you can take this and you can't take this. And, and it's like, like we're all, our entire life is trying to enhance our performance. Like we sleep, like I spent fucking, you know, $8,000 on a mattress to enhance my sleep so I can perform better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like literally every single thing in our life is to enhance our performance. So I know I'm getting a little bit off here, but it's like, you know, it, when you, it's such a, again, it's, it's, it turns into a gray area and there's guys that are kind of arbitrarily deciding what's performance enhancing. And that's why I kind of lean towards, well, I don't lean towards, I have a thousand percent thing, you know, just let everybody do it. You know, that's it. It's just not, you're, you're solve. You're trying to solve an issue that is not solvable. It's just like the war on drugs in America, right? Like, like you're, you're trying to stop something that is not stoppable. Oh, I've said it for years, like not getting way off the subject. I've said for years, we should just make every drug legal, like just do it because you know, like, you know, people are going to do it whether you want them to do it or not. You know what I mean? Like I've said that for years and I know that's controversial, but yeah, it's true. Like, and, and, you know, I don't, well, I don't, and I, and I don't want to, yeah, and I don't want to get, listen, do I want to return to the days where Vitor Belfort shows up and looks like the Incredible Hulk and he kicks Michael Bisping in the head and breaks his eye forever? Do I want that? Certainly not. I don't want injuries and things like when guys were on well, TRT be, and they were. To be fair, though, if, you know, th- that would be a much fairer match if Michael Bisping had those same advantages. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's what, and that's what problem, we're talking about. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The problem was that Vitor had the advantage and Michael Bisping didn't. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I said, either it's 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 for everybody or it's for nobody. And I know that's kind of what you say. Like it's either it's got to be one way or the other. 
And in all honesty, you're like, hey, just just do it. But they're trying, like it's like you said, they're trying to. It's like there's a there's a giant hole in the dam, and they're trying to plug it with with bubble gum. Like you know, what I mean, like it's you're never you're never gonna win that way. You're never gonna win that war. Yeah. So I got off the subject a little bit. You know, that that's my so. The, so when we talk about all this stuff that's going on with UFCs and everything, that you know, that is my. I think you. It sounds like you agree, my, but that's my two cents on drug testing in general. With that said, I've never done it, and looking back, a lot of times, um, particularly pre-USADA, like I wish I would have done it. Like I almost, I, w- I don't know if I would say I regret not doing it or not, but I'm like, I'm like, I sell, I sold myself short not doing it. Like there are guys that I am 110% confident were doing the shit that beat me, you know, took money out of my pocket, you know, put, took years off of my life and they had an advantage and I didn't, and I could have had that same advantage. You know, I've just always just simply not done it just because I'm a martial artist and just want to, you know, be the best that I can be. And, um, you know, and I, I obviously like, I haven't had the money to do it either. Right. So, you know, that's a, I guess that would be the other thing. You know, if I had the like Conor McGregor money, I can't say that I wouldn't do it or I wouldn't even do it now, you know, if I had that kind of money, but you know, so that's why it all leads into that, that same ending where it's like, you are not going to level this playing field you simply are not. So forget about it. Yeah, well, that's the reality. I think that's what needs to be. You know, the, we want to take anything else away from this whole USADA, drug-free sport, whatever they're doing. Like, they're never going to stop it. You know what I mean? Like, they're never ever going to stop. And do you know? Do they maybe deter it by a lot of the lower-level guys who know they can't afford to do it, so they don't risk it? Sure, there's that. Like, I get that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you're never going to stop it. You're never. Like I, ever, said, I mean, they've deterred me for all these years, but it's like again. <laughs> I have fought guys that are on it, like yeah. no fucking question. You know, what, would my career have been completely different had I been able to do all that shit? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. It's like it's the it's the unanswerable question that they don't want to ask, right? Like you know, they're they and I think again, I think a lot of it exploded out of the TRT thing. You know what I mean? When guys like you know prominent guys started testing positively, Anderson Silva testing positive, things like that, and they're like, hold on, you know, it's almost like a overreaction at that point you know when they're like well, we got to sign up with USADA and we got to stop this you know and as you said if you got the money you're gonna do it anyways and you're not worried about it you're not stressing and sweating over a drug test and and as we said drug testing doesn't solve it anyways it's like, I just with Lance Armstrong Barry Bonds all the baseball players none of them got busted because they got tested so yeah and I mean and I also again I do see the UFC side you know and I think there's it's been, I don't know if you call it conspiracy theory or just a theory that, you know, I think it's a liability thing and that's uh, the primary reason that they've done it. Um, but I think also, you know, there's the optics like from the public, like there's still a perception oh, out there yeah. in the universe of, uh, you know, certainly in Western culture, if not around the world that, you know, steroids are bad, you know, just like drugs are bad, I'm okay. And <laughs> like, it's like, you know, so I I kind of get why they do it, and and I got to think that that's why they sourced it out to a third party too. They're like, dude, we don't need this. You know, let's put all of this pressure on someone else. We're paying the money to keep this off of us, off of our plate. Yeah, 
Well, like I said, I mean, and the reality is, it's never going to be, it's never going to be above board. It's and it's, I'm not accusing the UFC anything. Like I'm not, but like, I, and I, it's just like the NHL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, like. It's never going to be what you want. It's never going to be what the people who bang the drum saying, this. we need better drug testing, we need a clean sport, we need this, we need that. It's never going to be that. Just let it go. Like, it's never going to be well, that. It's interesting how they use the words clean and dirty, too. Like, you know, it, it, those are just words that are, you know, like like saying, calling someone dirty, like it's, it's almost like derogatory when, you know, again, they're just trying to enhance their performance. Like they're just trying to be a better athlete. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like the way they, they even word it, like clean and dirty, you know, and uh, I think, you know, especially so when you talk about like, like all the hate Lance Armstrong gets, and I know he did some bad things, but like, ultimately he's riding a fucking bicycle, let him <laughs> the motherfucker take whatever he wants. Like, like you want to see a bunch of slow bicycle riders or you want to see a guy ride, a bike the best that he can right <laughs> well and i think and i think that's part of what like what got the spot on fighting because you know fighting is dangerous i mean it is like you know it's a very dangerous sport you know and that's when they're talking and like i get it i get it on the surface i do like you know it is a dangerous sport and again i don't want i keep using vitor as an example and even though technically vitor didn't cheat technically like he was doing what was in within the legal rules at that time he didn't cheat actually uh i just used him as an example as a guy who was you know up on trt at that time but like you know whoever it is like you know you say that they're cheating and they're doing something bad and you know but but again the standard like what is the standard of cheating what is the standard of, of doing you know it's like i said man we we moved the goalposts a lot and um yeah, man, the whole and all you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a never, like, there's no right or wrong answer to it in reality. Well, what is, what is more dangerous if one guy can afford to do it and is destroying someone that can't do it or, or both guys having the ability to do it? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I get, like I said, they're trying to, they're trying to save face. They're trying to do it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I don't like it's never as I say, you're never going to fix it. You're never going to get everyone to not do it. Uh, all you're going to do is make sure that the guys who have the most money can still do it. And the guys who don't have the money definitely can't do it because they can't risk it because you can't you you Matt Brown cannot risk a two year suspension fines or whatever the hell else they're going to do and be out of the sport. Basically, the whatever versus the guy who can you know, who could pay the doctor five hundred thousand dollars to give them the best drugs that cannot get picked up on a drug test and they'll never pop up in a it'll never pop for anything and they're going to be you know running you know, uh, you know running running a, a, four, a three minute mile or whatever the number is like they're going to be out there juice to the gills um and listen also I'm, I'm just throwing this out there's one last thing i'll say on this subject and i'm not justifying it matt i'm certainly not but the guys who have all the means and the and the ability to do it in fighting doesn't guarantee success you could be roided out of your mind and still get knocked the fuck out you could be roided out of your mind and still get submitted being strong and being you know we understand like it's not just about strength it's about endurance it's about the training camp it's about all the things they can provide the cheating can but it still doesn't guarantee you're going to find success in the sport there's no guarantee you can be roided out of your mind and still get your ass kicked no just as i'm 100 percent confident i've fought guys and lost to guys uh, that were on it. I have also fought guys that were on it and beat them also, you know, like, um, and, and I guess, you know, that's one of the arguments that people will make is, you know, it would just come down to like, who's the best chemist, right? Or who has <laughs> yeah. the best 
scientist or whatever. And, uh, you know, like there's, there's, uh, uh, PEDs that help your cardio. There's PEDs that help your strength, uh, um, you know, uh, your ligaments, your joints, like all kinds of different things. Right. But, um, you know, so it's just a silly argument because like, you know, even if, even if they were, did not exist on this planet, um, PEDs period, there was a, no such thing as a steroid ever, you know, then you could just say, well, then it comes down to, you know, who has the best nutritionist and the best mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coach, right? It'd be the exact same thing because that's the best performance enhancer you have at that point. So, you know, people just make, I, I feel like it's one of those things that's just so um, outdated or should be outdated at this point, just like marijuana, you know, is like finally over the years, like coming around and starting to be a little bit more normalized or magic mushrooms and things like that. Um, I even heard there were, there were the, they legalized cocaine up in uh, Canada in like one city or something. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, it's like, it's like that is finally coming around, but the steroid thing, it, it just still, still has so many years to go because it's limited generally to like athletes. And I don't know if it, it's like these, these backyard rednecks or something are like, Oh, he's on fuck steroids. You, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't like people living in holes and shit, you know, it's like, just, just let people do it, man. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's not going away. Uh, the drugs are not going yeah. away, but it, you know, they're going to try to whatever's going to happen with this new drug testing program. Who knows? We'll see what happens when January, 2024 rolls around. Uh, it was an interesting all week I, for sure. All I hope with the whole thing. And, 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 uh, you know, unfortunately we can only hope, right? Because, you know, again, we're, we don't have collective bargaining and we don't have really a say in all this. So, you know, what we have to hope is that it is as fair as it can be, you know, that, that George Pirro isn't helping ATT athletes get the advantage because he's training beside them. Uh, and it, that's what sucks about it. You know, because even with USADA or, um, or before that, it's like, you're, you're going there just hoping that this guy isn't, making enough money or has the means to beat the system. And and that's really, um, you know, as a fighter, it's something you just have to accept it, you know, Um, you know, find where, uh, what your beliefs are and what you want to do with your life and, and how you want to live your life. And you have to go in and just accept it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with what you always said about, you know, just, 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 pull off the reins and just go for it. Like, you know, people are, cause people are going to do it anyways, you know what I mean? So just go for it. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with you there. Like I said, I've always had the stance for a long time where I was like, nobody should cheat. And then I was just kind of, one day I just kind of had an epiphany and I don't know if it's from you or whatever. I was just kind of like, you know what? They're going to do it anyways. That's why I stopped my argument for the longest time. I tried to put that asterisk next to John Jones career and say, well, because he tested positive. And I was like, you know what? Dude, I guarantee you, like, half the guys he fought were probably on something. You know what I mean? And and he was on something, and somebody else was on something. So, you know what? I don't give a shit anymore. John Jones is the greatest of all time. Like, I just, I'm done arguing because he because he supposedly did one thing and another guy didn't do something. Like, I don't care anymore. He's the greatest of all time. And, and, and he's the greatest of all time because he's the most skilled fighter of all time. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think every every win John Jones ever had in his career is because he was juiced out of his mind. I refuse to believe that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm done. I'm done making that argument. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... A- very you know the the easy analogy is to like lance armstrong like there's no doubt he was the greatest bicyclist of all time right if you go on wikipedia you can see all the guys he beat were all tested positive at some point you know what i mean 
maybe they didn't test positive the year that he uh, won or whatever, but like they all tested positive at some time. And, uh, you know, again, it's just a cat and mouse game and you're not going to catch the mouse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always going to be a mouse out there. So, you know, it's uh, again, for each fighter, I think you kind of have to come to your own terms with it and realize uh, or kind of have some clarity as to what you are as a fighter, who you are, what your own moral stance is, and just deal with it and accept it. And I've came to that clarity a long time ago. Again, I knew pre-USADA, like I knew for sure, like there was guys that were juicing um, that I had to go fight. And I accepted that. And I accepted the consequences of it, realizing you know, he may beat me and um, he has a huge advantage going into it. And I accept the consequence of that. Um, and I don't think you saw to change it as drastically as people uh, think it did. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I do agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And I, like I said, I've kind of come around on that whole subject in recent years where I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, you know, you're fighting a losing battle a little bit. So um, the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, real quick before we get UFC 294, as we mentioned, so many changes to that card over the last few days. We're going to get to that in one second. But I got to throw this out there, Matt, just before we move on. I think one guy who probably could have used a little bit more juice on Saturday night was Dylan Dennis, and I'm only bringing this up for one reason, Matt. 
can we all move on? I'm, I'm talking about him, giving him attention in a way to say, can we all finally move on from Dylan Dennis? Like the next guy, the next time this guy talks, can we please ignore it? Can we not pay attention? Because he talked so much shit. He got sued for talking so much shit. And he goes out there and he absolutely shot the bed. It was an abysmal performance. He threw like four punches the entire time and he just got beat up and he kept smiling at Logan Paul. And then afterwards, the whole cycle starts again. I, a BJ, I'm a BJJ guy and I didn't have a trainer and blah, blah, blah. You know what, dude? Then don't sign up for a fucking boxing match, all right? Like, don't make excuses after the fact. He was god-awful. He's 2-0 and as an MMA fighter. Go do something with your career or, or, or don't, but shut up. I'm done with this dude. I am so over him at this point. And, like, we all got conned into it. We all did. Matt, you even you said, like, he got me kind of interested. You didn't buy the pay-per-view. You weren't that interested. But you got, <laughs> inter- you, got inter- you got interested enough to pay attention to it for, like, five minutes. We all did. We all got suckered in. He trolled us. And you know what? Good for you, man. Good for Dylan Dennis. He trolled us all. But I'm done. I am done with it. That was like a Dyson level of suck out there on Saturday night. It was bad. I'm glad you're finally done. So <laughs> my suggestion um, to the entire combat sports world and all the fans is what we should have done. Or well, m- more of you guys than me because I've been doing this for a long time. Just ignore it and it'll go away. But he's going to keep getting the attention. Everybody in America knows his name now. He's got quadruple the followers he had before. I give him props. He had the best troll job, the best shit talk job I've ever seen. The way that he uh, tore down what's his name's girlfriend the whole time. It was epic. Yeah. But that was it. Like I, I didn't have any, like I did not order the pay-per-view. I did not think about it at, at all. I think I texted you about it. I asked you if you were watching. I think that was about it. And um, I wanted to watch Edson Barboza and Sodic Yusuf. the two real fucking fighters battle out like two real fucking fighters. And, and I, and, and to be clear, like, I don't care. Like I I've grown past the complaints about influencer boxing. Like, dude, I don't care. One thing I will say, stop. Like people need to understand what it is. Like don't, don't complain that it was a low level fight. Well, of course it's a low level fight. It's two guys who have no fucking clue what they're doing in there. Of course it's a low level fight. The reason why influencer boxing kind of got fun is because Jake Paul, who really can't box that well, but he can throw a right hand and knock people out, and he was knocking people out. That got kind of fun. Like, it got kind of fun to watch him just lay out dudes that way. What I saw on Saturday night with Tommy Fury, who, by the way, I'm all the way back around on him being a god-awful boxer, and KSI, who doesn't know how to box, they put on a really terrible fight. Guess what? They're both really terrible fighters. I'm not really surprised by that. Uh, you know, Logan Paul beating Dylan Dennis, who Logan Paul has like a little bit of boxing experience versus Dylan Dennis, who has zero boxing experience. Was I shocked that Dylan Dennis looked like shit and lost? No, because why? Because he can't fight. I mean, people complaining about like it's a bad fight. Well, of course it's a bad fight. Look what you were paying for. You got to know that going in. I think that's a. I don't want to sound like self-righteous here or anything, but like, I, I don't understand how people cannot do what I did. Right. Like I followed the entire uh, lead up, which is what the entertaining fun part of it is. 
but I had zero interest in the fight. I would have, if I wanted to see shitty fights, they have them all over the city all the time. <laughs> like there's, there's a, a boxing gyms that have smokers just about every Friday night. I can go down there and watch, you know, two shit ass boxers that'll probably never do anything with themselves. But now the lead up to it was entertaining. I'll give them that. It is entertaining. They're, they're master shit talkers. You know, they're, they're very good at that. But the fight itself, like th there was how many people, how many tickets did they sell? Like how many people actually went out of their way, drove down to see a fight? Because that's what I don't get. Like, why are you actually like paying 80 bucks or however much it was to watch the fight? That is not like the the interesting part about the influencer boxing. The boxing part is not the the interesting part. <laughs> Well, and but even that, like, like whatever they sold, to, I think it was like nineteen thousand people in that arena last night. It was in Manchester, you know what I mean. So it was obviously a lo you know local crowd for KSI and Tommy Fury, and obviously the build up to Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis. But again, I'm not even faulting people for buying it or watching it. What I'm faulting people are is to complain afterwards. It was a shit fight. Well, it's two shitty fighters. Like, what do you want? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can you can say that it was a shit fight. You're allowed to say that, but don't complain that it was a shit fight because what did you expect? Like, I, like I said, it was an abysmal fight, but I also knew that going in. Like, I knew watching KSI fight Tommy Fury, KSI who's not good, and Tommy Fury who is not good, put those two pieces together. Am I surprised that it was a shit sandwich? No. How can I be surprised at that? How can I really get like, it was a terrible fight. Dylan Dennis not performing is laughable because he said he's going to do this, doing that. And then he did nothing. And he actually is a combat sports athlete. Granted, he's a jujitsu guy, not a boxer. But like that was embarrassing because he just talked all the shit in the world and went out there and shit the bed. That was funny to me because I'm like, dude, like I actually joked on Twitter last night. I was like, Bellator should release Dylan Dennis for this performance. <laughs> like, just let him go because I don't want him around anymore. But again, in reality, you can't complain about a bad fight when you know it's going to be a bad fight. Yeah, like don't, like don't go to the local MMA show, at Billy Bob's Backyard Barbecue <laughs> Show. And, you know, and be like, oh, well, those guys suck. You know, the guys that making his amateur debut. And, oh, he freaking sucks, right? Like, 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 don't go to the little league baseball game and be like, those fucking kids can't play baseball. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, know? don't, don't, don't set yourself up for failure thinking you're going. Like when you watch, when you watch uh, Terrence Crawford fight Errol Spence, that's high level boxing. You watch Jermaine Charlo, Jamel Charlo fight. Canelo Alvarez, that's high-level boxing. When you watch KSI fight Tommy Fury, you're watching shit boxing from shit boxers and just understand that going in. Like, and I'm not, I'm not like, again, I don't care if people buy it. I've I've gone past that. I've moved past complaining about influencer boxing because I've accepted what it is. It's shit. I get it. You know what I mean? And occasionally it's fun. Occasionally you get Jake Paul knocking out some NBA dude. And it's kind of fun to watch some dude just get laid out. But if it's a really terrible fight and, and you know, it, it just people, you can't complain about you. You can call it a terrible fight, but you can't get upset that you paid $60 to watch it or you paid a hundred dollars for a ticket. You got to know going into it, what you're getting into. When I go like, it's like, it's like going to a demolition derby and complaining that the cars got banged up too much. Like what the fuck did you expect as a demolition derby?
Right. So this is what I'm going to ask the combat sports world to do. This is our show is called the fighter versus the writer. So I don't, I'm not, but I'm going to ask you to do this as a writer who's supposed to be writing about the combat sports world. And you want to get the headlines, you want to get the clicks. So you got to write about dildo Dennis <laughs> and all this shit. But as a fighter, I'm going to ask the combat sports world. Can we just ignore them? Jake Paul, Logan Paul, KSI, Tommy Fury, Dylan Dennis. Can we just click unfollow and just ignore these motherfuckers? Don't buy the pay-per-view. The, like, they're going to shit talk. They're going to troll. They're going to do great trolling and shit talking. Fucking ignore it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. And, but, and that's my point, dude. Don't watch it. I don't care. Like, people, there's a lot of people who do care. I, again, I've grown past it. Like, I don't like when it first happened, I was very much in the band of like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is real because it's so bad. Uh, but I've also I've been to a lot of local shows. I've seen really bad amateur fights. But guess what? When I go to an amateur fight, I know what I'm watching. I know I'm not watching George St. Pierre fight, you know, uh, Carlos Condit or or I'm not watching John Jones fight Daniel Cormier. I understand that going in. Um yeah, but like I said, you want to watch it, do whatever you want, man. Like I don't really care whether they do or they don't, but don't come out of it and say, "Man, that was that." Yeah, you know, I'm I'm upset. I paid sixty dollars, and it was a shit fight. You should have known that you were paying sixty dollars up front, knowing there's a good chance it's going to be a shit fight. That's my only problem. Like that's my only issue. Um, because it was terrible. It was all. I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was just it was so bad. Uh, but I also knew that I knew that going in, even though I was being paid to cover it, I understood. Tommy Fury is bad. KSI is bad. Logan Paul is bad. And now we know for sure Dylan Danis is really bad. Guess what we got? Two really bad fights. Shocking, right? <laughs> yeah, shocking. Now, you know what? Two fights are not going to suck. At least I hope not. UFC 294 in a matter of days. We got two new main events. Two co-main co and main. Charles Oliver out. He got a giant gash across his head. Alexander Volkanovsky steps in on less than two weeks' notice to take on Islam Makachev a second time. And Paulo Costa goes out with an elbow injury, elbow surgery, actually. I had a burst of sack at burst, and he had to get surgery. He's out. Now Kamaru Usman is stepping in to fight Hamza Chemaev at middleweight. Matt, here's my question to you before we get into the fights themselves. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev and Paulo Costa versus... Hamzat Chemaev. Now, Volkanovsky against Makachev, Usman versus Hamzat. Is the card better now than it was two weeks ago? Man, I, I've i seen a few people say that. I'm personally not in that camp because I think those were such great fights before. Um, I think it's equal. I, I, I definitely don't say better because those were fucking great fights before, too. You know, yeah. you, like you can't. I think if, if we start saying it's better, I think that's really. Uh, disrespecting Charles Oliveira and Paulo Costa. And I think those guys make such great fights that, um, and, and also with uh, uh, Ham, uh, not Hamza, uh, Usman and Volk coming in on two weeks' notice, we don't really know what we're going to be getting. So we can't say it's better. Yeah, that's the, that's the downside, right? Like in terms of on paper, is it better? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like, you know, matchup wise, like I did, I've always thought Kamaro and Hamza was a great fight like i always want to see that one 
The downside is we're getting on two weeks' notice. So like, what are we going to get? You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to see on two weeks' notice? Are we going to get a barn burner? Are we going to get the fight we should have seen with a full training camp? Or are we just going to get a guy who has six minutes of cardio and then can't go after that? I don't know. We'll see. But I will say the one credit I will give this, though, is they didn't take a step down. You know what I mean? They didn't go down for the like They did, like, to go from Charles Oliveira, one of the top two or three lightweights on planet Earth, and to get Alexander Volkanovsky, arguably the number one pound-for-pound fighter on the planet, depending on how you rank things, and then Paulo Costa, who's always exciting, always fun to watch. He win, lose, or draw, the dude's exciting. And then you go to from him to one of the greatest welterweights of all time, Kamaru Usman. That's rare to happen, to save an event. They really pulled like a rabbit out of the hat to, to, to pull this one off, because like that doesn't happen, Matt. Even the UFC's magical powers, it doesn't typically happen like that. And I agree with that. With that, too, I step down. My problem here is, okay, when we think about okay, the probabilities of winning. I think Charles had a good shot against uh, Islam. I think Costa had a good shot against Hamza. I don't think that these other two, uh, Volk and Usman, have as much of a shot as those other two did, and not because they're not as good of fighters, but more because they're coming in on two weeks notice and who they're fighting. If that makes sense. Like it does again on paper. Yes. It, it, it the, those fights, those are fantastic fights, but it, I think in terms of maybe the betting odds or maybe my feelings about who's going to win, like I'm not, I'm not more convinced that Usman's going to be Hamza than I was about Costa beating Hamza or more convinced that, Volk is going to be uh, Islam than I was Charles Oliveira beating Islam. Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. I will say this in terms of the matchups, while I do get concerned about the whole two week notice thing, because that's never going to be advantageous to anybody. Um, Islam getting ready for a long, tall striker slash submission specialist and going to a much shorter, stockier, you know, featherweight coming up to bat, and a, and a guy that a lot of people said either beat you or came really close to beating you. You know, eight months ago, ten months ago, whatever it was. That's a tough. That's that's like it's like, and I and I say this in all sincerity. Like, all the pressure in the world is on Islam now. Like, it, obviously, it was already on him because he beat Oliveira handily the last time. But we all knew Charles like had Charles looked terrible that night. Like he looked bad the night he fought Islam. He did not look himself at all. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Islam. Islam dominated him, but I'm saying like you can look at that fight and say that's not the Charles Oliveira that had won, you know, nine fights in a row or whatever. Okay. He beat Benil Darius, he got a second shot. But now you're fighting a guy you just beat who came back and looked like a holy terror taking out Yaya Rodriguez in July. And if he's truly ready, if, if Alexander Volkanovsky was truly ready, if he's training and all he's not going to do now is he doesn't have to cut down to 145, maybe I'm crazy, Matt, but I think he's got a shot. I'm not saying it's a great shot. I'm saying he's got a shot to pull this one off. Same thing with Usman a little bit. While Usman, I know for a fact Usman was in talks to fight in December. That I know for a fact. So he was in training, starting to get ready for a fight in December. Where I think he could potentially take advantage of the Hamzat thing is Hamzat was getting ready for a pure striker. Not saying Costa has no wrestling and no grappling, but Costa was going to try to knock him out, right? 
And Hamzat's been out for over a year now. He's been out for 13 months at this point. He hasn't fought since last September when he had that whole debacle with Nate Diaz and ended up fighting Kevin Holland. Um, Usman is a really good wrestler with great takedowns and great takedown defense versus going against a guy who is primarily a boxer. So stylistically, there's some questions that have to be answered. Do I think that either fight leans heavily towards Usman and or Volkanovski? No. But do I see ways for both of them to win? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Both those guys are high enough level that I don't think there's a man on this planet that I wouldn't see a, a path to victory for them beating, right? And it's like you said, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, how uh, how were they training uh, when they got the call up, right? Were they sitting on the couch getting fat and relaxing? Or were they in, you know, training hard, maybe even maintenance, you know, just staying in a good uh, maintenance shape, um, which – I think both of them being, you know, very, uh, uh, very professional, high level athletes. I think they were probably in good shape. So the, the, the only, the X factor here is particularly with Usman, he's kind of coming in with nothing to lose, right? He's going up a weight class, fighting a guy who is supposed to be the killer and all this. I feel like he doesn't have a whole lot to lose. And coming in on two weeks notice, he, you know, he may, it might be better for him, right. To, you know, do it on a short notice like that and not overthink the fight too much, not overanalyze it, not overtrain, not be killing yourself uh, for eight, 10 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever his camps are. Now for Volkanovsky, I don't necessarily feel the same though. Like he has a lot to lose here, which is the downside of him doing this on a short notice in my opinion, because does he get a third fight, even if it's a really close fight? If it's as close as the last fight and they give Islam the nod again, does he even get a third fight? You know, like th this might be his last chance, um, at least against Islam, as long as Islam has the title for him to move up and get the title here. So I feel like on his end, there's a little bit more to lose. Um, so I think it's gonna a lot of it's going to be how they're um, kind of perceiving this in their own minds and that short notice can play of um a positive thing again if they're in shape getting ready for a fight it can be a positive mental thing you're a little bit more relaxed you know you're not uh, obviously they're not cutting the weight like they would at their normal weight classes so they may be more relaxed and it may actually be to their benefit Here's why I have a slight leaning towards a little bit more confidence in Volkanovski and I agree because you're right, if he loses to Islam a second time, even on short notice, because Islam put out a tweet about it already saying, you know, I'm glad you took the fight, but if you lose, I don't want to hear any excuses about 10 days notice, short notice, like don't make bullshit excuses. And I agree with him. You take the fight. You can't say afterwards, well, I lost because I was on 10 days notice. Don't take the fight then. You know, don't take. you have the option to not take the fight. You could literally say, I'm not ready. I mean, from what my understanding, they called Justin Gaethje. And Justin Gaethje said, I can't make way. I can't make 155 in two weeks. So he didn't take the fight. He didn't take the fight and say, well, I'm just going to kill myself and hope I get down there. He knows. He's had two title shots. He's lost both of them. Justin Gaethje knows it's not in his best interest to fight on two weeks notice right now. So he didn't take the fight. So don't take the fight and say afterwards, well, I took, you know, I took two weeks. No, no. So that excuse, so I agree with Islam there. Where I favor Volkanovsky a little bit of these two for two reasons. One, 
he already gave Islam a really, really hard fight the first time around. And it went much closer than I think a lot of people, myself included, thought it would go. I thought Islam was a wrecking machine. And while I do have a ton of respect for Volkanovski, I thought size, wrestling, power, it would just work too well against him. Didn't really play out that way. The other reason why I'm not as concerned about Volkanovski is because after losing to Islam in a pretty close fight, coming up short of becoming a two-division champion, to turn around five months later and fight a young, hungry, dynamic Yair Rodriguez, you're like, man, maybe there's a little bit of hangover there, right? And you remember this, Matt. There's a lot of people picking Yair Rodriguez in that fight. They're like, you know what? I think there's going to be an upset here. What happened? Volkanovski beat the brakes off him. It wasn't even close. He beat the living crap out of you. <laughs> like it wasn't. It wasn't even remote. It wasn't even co- competitive. And I was like, damn. Like that's a that's the dude right there. Like when you can lose a heartbreaker like that, turn around five months later, go back to defend your title and beat the absolute piss out of a really good fighter in Yair Rodriguez. I'm like, damn. Okay. Volk's real. So I have have a little less concern. Like, yes, I have concerns about taking a fight on two weeks' notice, but if there's one dude that I might have faith in that could pull this off, it might be Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with you on that. And he does come across to me as the type of guy who's out there training all the time, staying in shape, you know, not sitting around getting fat on the couch or anything, drinking Bud Lights or Weisers, whatever the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's a real soldier in this game, I think. So, um, you know, I, I guess the big question that I'm going to have is like, you know, has how hard has he been staying on his grappling game? Because it seemed that he prepared very specifically for what Islam had to offer in the last fight. And maybe a lot of that's carried over and he's even improved on those. If he's been staying on his grappling, if not, and you know, some of that grappling sensitivity is lost and some of those tiny little details uh, are lost. I think that could be a major issue. And, you know, Islam, I think, is you know, is certainly he's going to be ready, right? Like he's, you know, in that, that camp that he's in, you know, we never really see guys not coming in very, very well prepared. And he was fighting a very good jiu-jitsu guy in Charles Oliveira. So, you know, I got to think that he's probably uh, staying strong on his grappling game. And um, so, I, you know, that's my big question for, with Volkanovski here. What about Usman? Because, you know, you're right. Usman doesn't really have as much to lose here. I mean, yes, he already lost to Leon Edwards twice. And so he's kind of out of the race for title, you know, for the title for now. I and mean, maybe if Colby Covington beats Leon Edwards, then he can jump right back in there because he has two wins over, you know, Colby Covington. But even that's not guaranteed. I mean, when when Zhang, when Zhang Wei Li became champion, you know, I thought, oh, well, they're going to give another title shot to Rose because Rose beat her twice. They didn't do that. And then Rose ended up going to flyweight. So, you know, Usman, you know, Leon losing doesn't necessarily just cement Usman as the number one contender. Like, it helps him, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And he's talked about fighting a middleweight before. And now that Israel Adesanya is not champion, he doesn't have to worry about that conflict of interest because he never wanted to fight Israel because they're friends and, and, and you know, boys. And I, I get it, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't, like, I'm not saying Hamza Chemaev isn't good. Hamza Chemaev is, is a holy terror. That guy is really, really good. But, you know, we saw it in the Gilbert Burns fight. He's not invincible. You know, he's not invincible, and this is a three-round fight. You know, Usman doesn't have to go into championship rounds. That's all Usman's done for the past, like, five years is go into five rounds. I'm not saying Usman's going to win. I'll make my pick in a little bit, but, like, I could see Usman pulling this one off. And and, and I think 
Chamaya being off for 13 months helps Usman here because he hasn't fought in a year, a year and a month. That's a long ass time. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think uh, Usman's frame and his strength is well suited for 185. I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Um, it's a matter of, you know, I think it comes down to matchups. Like, you know, how, because uh, I don't know who's the better wrestler here. I don't know who's the better striker here. You know, like what we've seen from um, Hamzat so far, I mean, he's basically dominated everybody except for Gilbert Burns. Um, you know, but Gilbert Burns is right there with Usman. So it's like, you know, so I, I, I don't have a pick on that one, to be honest. But um, with Usman coming in on shorter notice, you know, I'm going to lean towards Hamzat. But, you know, I'm not convinced that Hamzat is that much better than him. Yeah, I think also you got to remember, like, when 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 Hamzat had that war with Gilbert, you know, remember Gilbert is a guy who used to fight a lightweight, now fighting a welterweight. He's a smaller, shorter guy. And Hamzat was getting tagged hard with that one. Now, remember, when when Kamaru fought Gilbert, Gilbert tagged Kamaru and put him down briefly in the first round. And Kamaru centered himself, came back, and knocked him out in the second. Kamaru has real fight-changing power on the feet. He can put you out. He's put out Colby Covington. He's put out George Masvidal. He's got knockout power. He's also a much bigger guy. He's a legitimate, like, regular welterweight. And as you said, I don't think he's. I don't think the frame is going to throw him off fighting a middleweight. If you're asking me right, like, here's the question. Let me let me let me let me put the question to you this way, and I'll answer the same question. If you had to put, like, I don't love to pick either guy, if I'm being honest, like as much as I'm excited about the fights and I think they're great matchups and they're very even with what we lost to what we gained. I don't know that I would favor Volkanovsky or Usman to pull it off. Right. But the question is, if I had to bet on one guy of those two to pull off the upset on two weeks notice, as much as I admire and have so much respect for what Volkanovsky does and what he did back in February, I still have a lot of faith in Islam Makachev as a, just a bad motherfucker. <laughs> but Hamzat, I do have a couple questions about. I'm not, I'm not full. I'm not, I'm not just convinced without fail that this guy is the future. Like, I'm not saying he's not good. He's really good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, I have less tape to prove how good he is yet. And I know how good Kamar Usman is. Does it concern me he's doing this on two weeks notice? Yes. Uh, do I love picking him to win? No. But if you're asking me if I had to pick one of these two guys to pull it off, I would pick Usman. What about if you had to, if you had to pick Volkanovski or Usman, which one of those guys has a better chance of winning? Who would you pick? So I guess it kind of depends on whether the question is okay on paper or you know, the reality is the guy with the better chance is the guy that was in better shape two weeks before the fight, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, That's yeah. the reality of the situation. Who was staying in the gym more, training, getting better during their off time before they got the two-week call? That's the reality of the situation. On paper, I think it's hard to – man, that is a really, really tough question. I would probably lean towards Volkanovski only because, you know, we've seen him against Islam once, right? We know how they match up. We know – um, about that fight. And I think Volk could probably um, make the adjustments to be able to win that fight. But I'm not sure if he can do that on two weeks notice. So, you know, if he wasn't training specifically for Islam Makachev, like I was talking about before. So on two weeks notice, assuming that they're both in good shape and they're 
uh, you know, at least good enough shape to go fight uh, another man, um, you know, I would go with you and go with Usman. And also, Usman's only got three rounds. Volk's got five. I mean, that's a different animal when you got to do that too. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And um, but I'm I'm with you on that. Like we kind of we know um, how good Usman is, and there is a little bit of question of whether Hamza is really the the fucking future killer predator master. You know that he was kind of pumped up to be at the beginning, and I think uh, Gilbert Burns was the guy that opened up a lot of those questions. And, you know, if we do MMA math, right, then, you know, which uh, I know never works, but if we do MMA math, you know, Usman knocked out Gilbert and, uh, you know, so he should be able to take out Hamza. Um, but it, but also, you know, I, when I think about matchups, you know, I, I especially on two weeks notice, I think like Hamza is going to be a, just a little bit sharper you know, again, on a full camp, I don't know who would be sharper. I think it's a 50-50 fight on a full camp. But on a two-week notice camp, I got to think that Hamzat's going to have just a slight edge, you know, with the wrestling and the striking. Just the slightest edge. Are you sold that Hamzat Chemaev is the future, though? Like, I'm not saying he's not good. He is really good. Let me be clear about that. He's a really good fighter. But I'm not, like, I'm not, like, I, there was a lot of people on board, like, right after he won his first fight, and, like, well, he's going to be a two-division champ. Well, we know he can't really cut to welterweight. He can't make welterweight anymore because that did not work out well for him the last time when they put him in against Nate Diaz, which was seemingly a guaranteed win for that guy, and he couldn't do it. Um, now he's at middleweight. And listen, Hamza's still a big guy. I've no, I've not stood next to him, but I've seen him. He's a big guy, but... Again, he was a massive guy at welterweight. He 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 will eventually go up against guys who are as big as him at middleweight. Guys who are bigger, you know, as big or strong as him. I'm not saying the guy can't be a champion. I absolutely think he can be under the right circumstances. But I'm not totally sold that Hamzad is this unbeatable killing machine. Like I think this is his toughest test to date. Even on two weeks' notice, Usman is still a very tough test. Um, I'm not convinced, Matt. I'm not saying he's not good. He's really good, but I'm not ready to just anoint this guy. Like, let's just give him the belt because he's just going to beat everybody. I'm not. I'm not there yet with Hamzat. I'll tell you, if the way I see it is, he has the potential. I am sold that he, that potential is there for him, and if he taps into that potential, then yeah, he's that guy. You think he is? I don't know that he'll tap into that potential. He he comes across to me. I don't know the guy and, you know, I don't, I don't want to judge or say anything bad, but he comes across to me like he's kind of loving the fame. You know what I mean? He's kind of really, really embracing the sizzle. And I wonder if that's going to keep him out of the gym a little bit, if that's going to not get him into, you know, in those deep grinding rounds at the end of training, the extra rounds that, that are really going to tap into that deep potential that he has. Um, but that's what you know, again, that's a that's a judgment thing. You know, I'm kind of judging another man here when I say that. And and I really don't have any idea. But I think he does have the potential to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, I think the potential's there. I agree. The potential potential's there. I just don't know if he's that guy yet. Like I think there's just like we are very quick to judge and just be like, this guy's the future. And while I do think he's really, really good, um, you know, I mean, his biggest win came against Gilbert Burns in a firefight. Now, Gilbert Burns is really, really good. So that's a, that's a quality win, right? That's a good win. 
but he doesn't have the resume yet. He hasn't beaten, you know, in middleweight, he hasn't beaten Costa. He hasn't beaten Jared Cannonier. He hasn't beaten Adesanya. He hasn't beaten Robert Whitaker. He has, you know what I mean? Like, if he starts racking up a couple of those wins, then I'll be on board totally. Um, but he hasn't yet. And so it's kind of like, I just don't know. Like, yeah, beating Gerald Mershart is a, a quality win. Is it the win that's going to make me convinced you're going to be a champion one day? Not necessarily. You know, well, I like, guess you also have to look at, you know, how he beat those guys, like the way he beat Gerald Mershart, uh, the way he beat Kevin Holland, uh, you know, some of the, you know, there's a little bit more than that. And, and I, and I think that's where the questions come in kind of what I was saying, when you talk about the way that he be, beat Gilbert Burns made a lot more questions about his ceiling than it did, you know, answers that we were kind of expecting. Yeah. And I think this is going to be, even though, again, it's not ideal, that Usman's taking this fight on two weeks' notice, but I think there's going to be a lot of questions answered here because we know, even on two weeks' notice, we know how skilled Kamar Usman is. The proof is out there in Kamar Usman. There's no question about Kamar Usman. You know what I mean? Now, could we question how much he has left? Maybe. I mean, I guess you could you could say that, but he won. He, he fought Leon Edwards for 9.5 rounds, and he won – Six of those, he won four. He won three rounds in the first fight, and he won at least two rounds in the end. So he won five, maybe five and a half rounds of the last nine rounds he fought with Leon Edwards as the welterweight champion. So are we really saying like Usman still doesn't have it? I hate when we do that when we tear one guy down instead of building the other guy up. How about we give credit to Leon Edwards being a fucking badass? How about we give credit for Leon Edwards being a savage and not saying it's because Usman's lost a step? How about Usman maybe didn't lose a step? He just ran into a buzzsaw named Leon Edwards. I was going to say the same thing. And I'm not sure if that question is answered. And I, and I think that might, uh, this, well, maybe this fight will answer that or not. I'm not sure, but you know, it was it Usman, was it more Usman losing or was it more Leon winning? And uh, I'm not sure if that question is answered right now. I know Dana has said the winner of this fight, and we all know how this works. He said the winner of this fight is going to get the title shot. Now, it's a little more believable because we know Adesanya is now saying he's going to take a break. I don't know if you, did you see that? He put out a statement saying he's taking a good long break and he's, you know, stepping away from the sport for a little while. I want to talk about that real quick before we get out of here. Um, I'm not, I'm not totally convinced because dude, you and I know like it or not, the UFC will hold a grudge and I'm guaranteeing you they're still holding a grudge that Drake is duplicy did not take that fight without Asanya in September. Again, credit to Sean Strickland for pulling off the upset, but DDP against Adesanya was like a real sellable fight. And when he didn't take that fight, I was like, dude, this is going to come back to haunt you. And sure enough, now they're saying this is the number one contenders fight. We all know that's how it works. You know, Dana says it to pump up the card. I'm not, I'm not, I will not be one, I will not be one ounce surprised if Hamzat wins and or Usman wins and they go on to fight Sean Strickland next. Not the least bit surprised. No, I'm totally right there with you. Yeah. 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 And that's a uh, man. Drake is in a tough position, you know, and he, and he doesn't, you know, he kind of had the little rivalry with Adesanya, but he doesn't really have a lot of, you know, he, he's not Conor McGregor, right? He's not, you know, he's not that guy that's just getting attention all the time. He's not Hamzad or, you know, so, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not seeing where he's getting a title shot, you know, after one of these guys wins, depending on how this fight goes, too. You know, if it's a really close fight, you know, do you, that does that justify a title shot? 
when the, the rivalry the DDP had was with Adesanya. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he beat yeah, the brakes on. That's where. Yeah, yeah. That's where his kind of. That's where his brand was kind of built on, right? Like that's where his name kind of got into everybody's ears. It wasn't from. I mean, beating Robert Whitaker was a gigantic thing, but I don't think that was the the sole. Uh, uh, reason for him getting, you know, the the next, the title shot, right? Yeah, I mean, they as soon as he won the fight, he's got Adesanya in his face. They're jawing at each other, like that was the buildup. And then Adesanya loses. Now it's kind of like he's almost like an afterthought. Like we're like, oh, who? Dracus? What? What are you doing? Uh, what about Hamzad? He's like the shiny new thing over here. What about Hamzad? And now Usman. That was interesting because Usman always said he wanted to go to middleweight, but he didn't ever want to fight Adesanya. Well, that's no longer a problem. Yeah, yeah, at least for now. And Usman's uh, a bigger name. I mean, let's be honest. Usman's a bigger name than Drake's Duplessis. Let's just be honest about it. Right, and realistically, Hamza probably is too, don't you think? Oh, 100%. 100%. Much bigger name. Yeah, so the, like you said, it, it kind of puts Drake's in a difficult position. Uh, but I got to think that he could wait it out um, and get the next title shot, um, even if one of them skips the line. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Real quick before we get out of here, Matt, Israel Adesanya put out the statement saying he's going to take a good long break and not be back for a while. Let me just say this, man. I'm I'm actually really happy for Adesanya to do this because as active as he's been and he's been one of the most active champions, sometimes you do need a break. Like sometimes you do need like a, just to take a hiatus. I don't – I again – I don't want to discredit Sean Strickland's win, so I'm not doing that. Sean Strickland fought brilliantly and and surprised us all. But that, like, I just, I don't know what it was that night without Asanya. I don't know, like I said, did he not get up for it? Like, he went from Pereira, the whole rivalry, and then he had another rivalry with with Dracus, and then that went away, and he just didn't care. Did he get burned out from just being so active because he went from, you know, the Pereira knockout, five months later, fought the rematch, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe he was just burned out. I don't know. And what I'm saying here, Matt, is I'm actually glad, like, he's taking time to reflect and not just rushing back in. Because you said, like, you know, if, if he wants a rematch, give him the rematch. I don't totally disagree with that. But does he need to be in a rematch in, like, January, February next year? Or does he need a break? I'm kind of glad he's taking a break. Hey, you know, if that's what he feels he needs, then I'm glad for him. You know, as long as he's living a good life and happy that – um, Adesanya is such a good dude. I'm always going to cheer for him, man. Um, I've trained with him before, hung out with him a few times. Like he's a amazing guy. So, uh, whatever brings him a great life, I'm going to cheer him on for it. So, um, if he thinks he needs a break, you know, I think it's on him and I don't think any of us can really speak much on that. Like, you know, that's totally his own thing. You know, you got to remember too, back when he was kickboxing, I mean, he would fight a lot like not even comparable to the amount of fights that he fights in the UFC. I mean, he would fight a lot, lot. So, um, you know, I think he's used to competing a lot and I think it's probably just the way that he's been for a long time competing a lot. Um, and I, I'm going to guess, I'm going to throw it out there and guess that his, it was probably the media pressure and the pressure of being a star in the UFC, um, which basically turned him into a international superstar, you know, probably is what, kind of started uh weighing on his shoulders more so than the pressure of fighting and you know maybe the alex Pereira thing um put a lot of pressure on him i'm guessing it probably did but either way um, i'm guessing that's what he wants a break from is the uh, being in the spotlight have feeling that, that pressure on his shoulders all the time um 
and he'll probably come back and and fucking smash it if he wants to. And I don't think, and I I agree with you on that. Like I don't think it matters who's champion. Like when Adesanya comes back, he could fight Sean Strickland. He could fight Usman. He could fight well, maybe not Usman, but he could fight Hamzad. He could fight Drakus. Like I don't think it really matters when Adesanya comes back. He can kind of call his shots, right? Like he's earned that, as you said. Um, so. Yeah, like it doesn't matter to me. Like I don't, you know. And so I'm. I, if that's what he needs, then I'm happy for him because um, he's earned it. Is I guess that's what I'm getting at. He's earned the time off. If he wants it, he's earned it. I couldn't agree more. He, he and again, I, I don't think he doesn't come across me as the type of guy who likes to take breaks. So I, I get the feeling it's probably more about the pressure of being a, a international superstar, UFC champion, the media, the you know, the, the prayer thing, you know, there, there was a lot of pressure on him for sure. So, you know, I think it's a lot of outside factors and, you know, I just hope he in, enjoys his time, stays in great shape, keeps improving, getting better, helping the other guys and city kickboxing keeps coming up because they're all good guys. And, um, and then, you know, I want to see him, I want to see more out of Sonya personally. I hope he, I hope he gets fresh, gets uh, healed up and, comes back with a fire in his ass and comes back and and becomes champion again. I'm always a fan of him. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, that is our show for this week, Matt. Obviously, we'll be back next week to break down the fallout from UFC 294 and actually really, really good cards. A daytime card, remember, the main card starts at 2 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, so be prepared for that. Uh, I always like it when we get to talk about these fights because I know that's a fight card you'll watch. Because uh, I know you weren't, I knew you weren't paying for Logan Paul and Dylan Danis, nor did I blame you for that. Uh, so yeah, so we'll actually get to break down some awesome fights next week uh, on the on the show and kind of the fallout from that. And then also going in, speaking of crazy fights, uh, next week will also be the lead into Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury. Uh, so. uh, at least, <laughs> hey, to be fair, at least those two guys are legit fucking champions in their respective sports, right? Yeah. Could you imagine me and Could you imagine me? Could you imagine me and poor Tyson Fury, man, standing there like next to his brother, hyping him up and like, dude, I feel bad. Like, he's not, dude, Tommy's not good. Like, I, dude, you, you got to support your family. I totally understand that. But, oh, boy. Talk about, talk about an apple that fell way far away from the tree on that one. Uh, well, Tommy is not his brother. I didn't watch the fight, but maybe KSI is better than you think, Damon. I don't think he is. I really don't think he is. I think I think Tommy Fury is as bad as I always said he was. Is I think better the better the better statement there. Well, maybe I don't know what his career is or what he's uh, been doing, but you know maybe he needs about like boxers do a lot of fights before we ever see them most of the time. Yeah, he probably I'm- needs that. If I'm Tommy Fury, because Tommy Fury said afterwards, he's like, I want to go back to regular boxing. I'm like, dude, keep fighting the influencers. Because you just went to a split decision with Jake Paul and a majority decision with KSI. You do not want to get in there with like, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some tomato cans you're going to continue beating. But like, do not think you're going to get in there with like a top 10 boxer anytime soon and win. Because it's going to end badly for you, dude. Like, keep, keep going. Uh, they weighed in at one. What was the way? Hold on. I know the weight here. They weighed in well, at. I, yeah, I, I like just got to ask. Well, I tweeted it earlier. I got to ask publicly on the podcast. Can I please? I want to make some money, but I don't want to box because boxing is silly. Honestly, I love watching the sport, but it's a silly sport. But I got to ask. Can one of these guys please fight me in a Muay Thai match? Full <laughs> rules. So I can just elbow some dorks. 
Like I'll fight all of them in the same night. Tommy Fury, KSI, Logan Paul, and Jake Paul all in the same night. Muay Thai, full rules, clinches, sweeps, knees, elbows in the, in the same night. Influencer Muay Thai. I never thought we'd see the day. Well, we probably won't see the day. <laughs> I don't have any confidence in this call out at all, but but I'm just asking, can, like, can I get my payday? An influencer Muay Thai fight? Good Lord, dude. You just like, that's, that's the end. That'd be the end of Logan, Jake, KSI, and Tommy Fury in the same night. That would be, they would never, they would never recover from that. See, I, I feel like I could get the fans behind this, like uh, the combat sports community. Like, let's all clamor for Matt Brown ending all these guys' careers in a single night. Let's get it done. I like, I promise I will elbow every single one of them. Like, I will carve my initials in their foreheads. <laughs> I will knee their, their livers. I will kick their legs so they're not walking. <laughs> like, and you can put Dylan Dennis in there too. So that, like, I, I will do this. I, I will be the Huckleberry. You'll be the savior for us all. Yes. So combat sports community, come on. I will say I did find I did find it funny last night. John Jones put out a thing on Instagram thanking Logan Paul where he's like, "Thank you, Logan Paul, for the entire martial arts community for being Dylan Dennis." I thought that was pretty hilarious. But now I didn't watch the fight, but like he didn't knock him out, right? He didn't, but that's only because literally, literally Dylan the entire fight was like this. He just had his arms up the entire time. He didn't do anything. That's that's what I read, and I'm like. I'm not going to thank you for just throwing punches at a guy. Like you drop him, you finish him. Yeah. I mean, like he definitely, I he had him, he had him, he had him stunned a couple of times and like. He's the motherfucker to, then. Yeah, I agree. He should have, but like, it was the most bizarre thing ever because he literally, Dylan just literally walked the entire fight with his arms up at his head, blocking punches. And he did do that. He blocked punches like effectively there. That's all he did. He did like the one, the biggest mistake that Logan Paul made was not going to the body. If he would have dug to the body a couple of times, I guarantee he probably would have knocked him out that way. Cause Dylan was literally just had his hands up by his head for six rounds. It was laughably bad, like laughably well, he didn't bad go to the body because he's not a boxer. So well, yeah, he didn't go to the body. He's I not will, a boxer. I will knee his body for you. <laughs> <laughs> just it was so bad dude it was so but that made me laugh when john's like thank you from the entire martial arts community like even john jones is like i'm so sick of this fucking guy so poor dylan danis man that guy that, that and then he's still talking i'm like dude i'm done i'm done listening to him like you 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 had a chance to back up everything in the ring and you shot the bed buddy i got nothing left for you yeah i he almost embraces being the laughing stock of the mma community you know what he i mean does. it's so weird like, I, I, I don't know how he sleeps at night. I joked because Connor put out a tweet or something or Instagram saying, well done, Dan. It's great. Well, well done, Dylan. Great event. I was like, Connor, you need some new friends, man. Like, seriously, like, don't you, don't, don't you have anyone else around you that you can, like, hype up and tell they're awesome? Like, do you not have anyone else you can do that for? Because this ain't it, man. Jeez. All right. Enough talk about them. <laughs> you can more time fight with them. Yeah, there you go. We got we got some high level fights coming up at UFC 294. We'll be back to talk about that next week, along with Tyson Fury and uh, Francis and Goddard. Matt, where can people go to check out and support you? I am the Immortal Twitter and Instagram at the Immortal Coffee, the No Crash Coffee. Make coffee, not excuses, motherfuckers.
I love it. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Fighter vs. The Rider. Thank you, everybody, as always, for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.